You know, God's people as Christian people need to be careful not to have a short memory. We of all people need to remember what God has done for us. It's so easy after knowing the Lord for some time, maybe even decades, to have it become old hat, old happenstance, and and, uh, to kind of get used to the idea. In the passage here, it's only a few verses. Paul the Apostle once again reminds us of what God has done for us. It ought to make us appreciate Him more. It ought to make us love Him more. And for that very reason, we take a close look at it today. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Well, let's take our Bibles, please, at this time and turn to the epistle to the Ephesians and the second chapter. Ephesians chapter 2. As a church, we have been in a series. We're studying this tremendous book, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. It was written by the Apostle Paul under Holy Spirit inspiration. The year was about 62 A.D., so it was about 30 years after the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul the Apostle is in, a, uh, in, in Rome. He's in house arrest. And so he's writing back to a local church, the church at Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. But back in those days, it would, it would have been called Asia Minor, one of the churches of Asia Minor. It was a good church at the time Paul wrote this. And he's shoring up some stuff. He's reinforcing some stuff. It, it's, it's his desire to make it even better. And we as a local church can learn some tremendous things from this epistle. And so we're going to start in verse 13 today, and we're going to read down to verse 17 as we talk about our great reconciler, our great reconciler. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a message for God's people. It's a message to help us to appreciate what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us by reconciling us. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 13, It says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh or brought up close by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain or two one new man so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you that were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Our great reconciler. Let's talk about him. Let's pray first, shall we? Father, we come before thee. Thank you for the scriptures. Lord, we thank you for a place where we can assemble and learn the Bible and learn about eternal truths. Lord, there's so much temporal stuff we can get out in the the world, but Father, we go to your word to find out what lies ahead and how you want us to live during this life. Lord, help us to listen carefully. Help us to gain truth. Father, I pray for those who may be in our midst today without Christ. Speak to them about how to be reconciled unto God. We pray all this in the name of our great reconciler, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Many years ago, there was an awful tragedy, an earthquake in the island, the Empire Island of Japan. And it was, at that time, one of the worst disasters in recorded history. All of Yokohama was destroyed. I think it, it is three-fourths of, of Tokyo was destroyed. There were, I think, around 300,000 deaths in that. And there were, there were 200, I think, two, two and a half million people who were dispersed and, and homeless and, and lost. And, and the country was in a daze and wondering what to do when the U.S. stepped in. And we sent them medical supplies, we sent them food, we sent them clothing. Boat after boat of help went over there with personnel and people. And and, and we came to them at a great time of destruction and despair. And we gave them hope as a nation. And when it was all resolved, the Japanese people with a heart of gratitude said, we'll never forget you for what you've done for us. We'll never forget what you've done for us. But sadly, they did forget us. On December 7th, 1941, when they sent bomb after bomb into Pearl Harbor and, and, uh, and sent thousands of our, our servicemen out into eternity in death and destruction, they forgot us, didn't they? You know, God's people as Christian people need to be careful not to have a short memory. We of all people need to remember what God has done for us. It's so easy after knowing the Lord for some time, maybe even decades, to have it become old hat, uh, old happenstance, and, and uh, to kind of get used to the idea. But I want you to remember what life was like before you got saved. How you wrestled with the issues. How you wondered about things. How you had questions. How you went to funerals and, and thought, where is he now? Or where is she now? Or what happens when we die? What happens when that heart stops? And you wondered about things like that. And as far as, as praying went, that was futile. You made those, those vain, futile attempts to pray, and, and they went no further than the, the ceiling because you had theology in your head, but you didn't have Christ in your heart. You really didn't know the Lord before you got saved, so you wondered about Him. You wondered about God. He was, he was abstract to you. He was an imaginary friend. He was the big guy in the sky. He was the man upstairs, but, but you didn't know Him. You wondered who He was and, and where He was as you lived a life without God, really, a godless life. You know, that's described in verse 12 before our text here, and, and it leads into our text. In verse 12 of Ephesians 2, it says, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Notice, without God in the world. Terrible thing to live a life without God. Terrible thing to face a financial reversal without God. Terrible thing to face a terminal illness Without God. To hear those words, it's, it's cancer like my, my mother heard without God before she found God. If you have been born again, don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget what life was like before Christ. B.C. Without God. Don't ever forget how meaningless it was. The Bible warns us as God's people. Over in Second Peter 1.9, Peter says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. This is an admonition, not for the lost, but for God's people. 
And Peter lays out some things we need to remember, and he warns us, if we've forgotten these things, we're blind, and we've forgotten that we were purged from our old sins. Never forget what God has done for you. Never forget our great reconciler. In the passage here, it's only a few verses here, but Paul the Apostle once again reminds us of what God has done for us. It ought to make us appreciate Him more. It ought to make us love Him more. And for that very reason, we take a close look at it today. As we look at these verses, we see what I call, first of all, the distant past. The distant past. And by that I mean how distant we were from God in the past. That distant past that we had. In, in verse 12, it, it reminds us we were without Christ. We were alien, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We had no hope. We were without God in this world. And then it comes into verse 13 and it says, But now, I love that contrast, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes, that means in the past or in, in time past, were far off, are now, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That word nigh means close up. And what it's saying here, in Christ Jesus, we who used to be at a distance from God are brought nigh by the blood of Christ. The Dunaways sing that song. I'm brought nigh by the blood. We come up close. But before Christ went to Calvary's cross, before He died and rose again from the dead, we had no hope. We are without God in this world. We, as Gentile people... That means non-Jews were strangers uh, from all that stuff mentioned in verse number 12. The commonwealth of Israel, the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. As a Gentile, we had no connection to the, the Jews' Messiah that they were anticipating. Uh, we had no connection. We had no meaningful future. Israel was God's theocracy. A theocracy is a God-ruled nation. The Gentiles or the non-Jews had no part in that. They were detached from the covenant and the law and the prophets. They had no true peace. They had no, no true joy and, and scared to death at the thought of death. That's really des describing us. That's us outside of Christ. Notice verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off. Notice those words, far off, are made nigh or brought close by the blood of Christ. We don't have to be afar off anymore. In fact, we read this glorious verse in Acts 2.39, The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. That promise is to us. Those who are afar off. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the wall came down. The barrier came down. The, the racial barrier, if you would, between Jews and Gentiles came crumbling down. If you were a, a Jew in the first century, you were a dog. <laughs> Honestly, uh, the, the Gentiles considered the Jews dogs, and the Jews considered the Gentiles dogs. The Jews didn't even think the Gentiles had a soul, and they didn't mess with them. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, uh, we find out that Peter makes this pron uh, pronouncement in verse 28. He says, you know how it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. Back in those days, they didn't mess with each other. It was not lawful for a Jew to even eat or to come into the company of a Gentile. Before Christ, a Gentile was just another heathen going to hell. When a, a Gentile baby was born, it was just another pagan. When, when uh, a, a Jew married a Gentile, there was a funeral held. 
because it was considered a death in the family. There was this line of separation. Prejudice ran deep. Very, very deep. A, a Jew considered a Gentile a leper, basically, and wanted nothing to do with them. Remember when God called Jonah to uh, go to Nineveh and preach to that wicked city, and Jonah didn't want to do it? You say, well, he, he just knew it was wicked. He, he wanted God to judge him for their wickedness. No, there's more to it than that. They were a Gentile people, and, and Jonah didn't want to have anything to do with them, and so he fled from God to Tarsus. In fact, David, when he went out to meet Goliath, remember that? He, he said, this uncircumcised Philistine is a dirty da-da-da, you know. Basically, the, the Gentiles were dirty dogs to the Jews. And then there was the Apostle Paul. After Paul got saved, he was relating years later, of course, Paul was a Jew, and he was talking about how he had gotten saved, how God had called him to be a preacher and a missionary, and what he had been doing for these years now. But he goes back to his conversion and the call of God on his life, and he's addressing a bunch of Pharisees, a bunch of Jewish men. And we find out in Acts twenty-two twenty-one, he said unto me, this is Paul talking, God said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience up to <laughs> this word, Gentiles. And then lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. It is not fit that he should live. In other words, they listened politely up until Paul mentioned the word Gentiles and then everything broke loose. And they wanted blood at that time. Why? Because they absolutely hated the Gentiles. When Jesus Christ went to Nazareth, his old hometown after he was grown up, he went to a synagogue there that he had attended as a boy. I've been to that very synagogue. He walked in. He sat down. He, they handed him the scroll. He read from uh, what we would call Isaiah. I think it is 60 or 61 today. He rolled it up and he said, today this word is fulfilled in, in your ears. And they started, you know, saying, well, who does he think he is? That's just the carpenter and that's the carpenter's son and so on and so forth. And then he got into it. And he said in so many words, you know, bottom line is there was a lot of lepers to be healed in Israel back in, in the, the days of Elisha, but only one was healed, and it was Naaman, a Gentile. Ooh, they, you could feel the, the hair stand up in the back of their head. And then he goes on, and he says there was many, many widow women in the days of Elijah, but to, to only one was the prophet sent, and it was this Gentile woman. And they said, we've heard enough. They stood up and they grabbed him and they dragged him out and they led him to the edge of the, the cliff and, and they were going to throw him out. Remember that? He just kind of walked out of their hands. You say, what set him off? The word Gentile. The Jews absolutely hated the Gentiles. We need to understand that. But with that in mind, verse 13 says, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometime were far off, and Paul's talking to Gentiles, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That contrast is remarkable. He's writing to this local church here. He's reminding them that they were Gentiles. He's reminding them that at one time they're on the outside looking in. And he says, you have been brought up close now. But how? What made the difference? Well, really simply, it was the blood. It was, it was the cross. Before the cross, the Jews were God's chosen people. They were God's uh, chosen nation. Basically, they were set apart from everybody else. They were blessed. They were protected. They were guided. Uh, they were given the great prophets. They were given the, the word of God. And here's the Gentiles now on the outside looking in, having nothing to do with any of that. But our great reconciler came along, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're a Gentile, you need to thank God for that. The good news is it doesn't matter who you are now. God is colorblind, if I might put it that way. By the way, I hope we are as well. I hope we don't have our biases and our our prejudices. The ground is level at the cross. It doesn't matter who you are. By the way, the ground is level at Fargo Baptist Church as well. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, You might be a millionaire. uh, You're going to sit in the same pew as a bus kid because the ground is level at Fargo Baptist Church just like it is with the things of God. The Gentiles didn't know any of that. They're on the outside looking in. How did they get brought up close? Verse 13 tells us at the end, Ye were sometimes afar off, but are made nigh by the blood of Christ. It was all made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. Many years ago in in Chicago, there was a great religious parliament that was held. Nearly every denomination, every flavor of religion in the world was represented there. All the Eastern, all the Western religions, all the gurus, all the swamis, everybody was there represented in some way. And for days they were hashing out, well, what's the truth? What's the truth? Well, uh, what's the truth? And so on. And, and finally... Uh, a preacher by the name of Joseph Cook, I think it was on the fourth day, uh, Joseph Cook from Boston walked in and he walked up to the podium and he said, uh, he said, men, he said, there's a woman that is in great distress and in great despair. There are bloodstains on her hands, the blood of murder no less. She has committed murder. And now she doesn't even want to live under the guilt that she has. She needs forgiveness. Do any of you offer anything that can bring forgiveness to this woman. And you could hear a pin drop. Nobody said anything. And then Joseph Cook, as to look up to heaven, said, John, do you have a word for us? How can this woman have her sins forgiven? And then he stopped and he cupped his ear. And as if to hear John from heaven, he said, and he quoted 1 John 1.7, The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin." And you could have heard a pin drop again in that place. How are we brought nigh to God? By the blood of Christ. It cost God the blood of His Son. You know, when when our Heavenly Father spoke the world into existence, that's all He had to do. He only spoke and it took place. When He saved our soul, it cost Him His Son's blood. It was easier to create than to reconcile us. How are we reconciled? By the blood of Christ. Bible says in Revelation 5, 9 of Jesus Christ, Thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. It doesn't matter who you are. We're, we're all saved the same way by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross? Is your faith in the shed blood? Is that what you're trusting in to get you to heaven? You know, there are some folks, their faith is in water. Their faith is in baptism. They're trusting in their baptism to get them to heaven. They're, 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 they're putting their faith in their baptism. Nowhere does the Bible teach that. Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, we are redeemed to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Bible says in Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. That wrath spoken of there is the wrath of hell. The only way we're going to be saved from hell is in, through, and by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We were distant in the past, but were, but were brought nigh by the blood. So we see, first of all, that distant past. But secondly, we see in our passage here that dividing partition. It's mentioned here. Notice in verse 14, as we pick it up, it speaks of Christ, and it says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Notice there was this dividing partition between us and God. You know, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it wasn't just the death of another good man. It wasn't just the the death of a martyr, if you will. There was a wall that came down. A wall that came down. And our great reconciler reached down and he reconciled us when that wall came down. It was pictured, by the way, when the temple veil tore. Remember that? When Jesus Christ said, it is finished on the cross, the, the earth shook There was thunder, there was lightning, there was the centurion that said, surely this man was the Son of God. And back yonder in that temple, there was that thick temple veil that tore from top to bottom. And it was God's way of saying, that wall's down now. That partition has crumbled. Notice again verse number 14. It says, Christ is our peace who hath made both one, that is Jew and Gentile, and hath broken down the middle wall, a partition between us. As we look at this glorious truth, notice first of all the word peace there. For He is our peace. He is our peace. How is that so? The Bible tells us in Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that verse implies? Evidently, before Christ, we're at odds with God. Because it says, therefore being justified by faith, by faith in the finished work of Christ, finished uh, bloodshed there, it says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we're separated from God. Now the Bible tells us in Isaiah 59 that our sin has separated between us and our Creator. Uh, We minimize sin. We poo-poo sin. We think it's a light thing. But it has erected this wall between us and our God. But we find out that At salvation, when we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we recognize our sin, when we change our mind about our sin, when we repent of our sin, and we turn to Christ and what He did on cross, and make that the only thing we're trusting in to take us to heaven, that wall comes crumbling down, and we have peace with God. We read in in, uh, Colossians chapter 1, and in verse number 20, having made peace through the blood of His cross by Himself to reconcile all things unto Himself. Notice all those key words there. And we've been talking about them. Peace, talking about that. Blood of the cross, talking about that. Uh, reconciliation, we've been talking about that. And there is no peace with our Creator outside of Jesus Christ. Outside of being reconciled through Christ. Now you can sing about peace. And, and many have. And many songs have been uh, written about peace. And, and give peace a chance. But that's not peace. You can chant about peace. That's not peace. You can hold hands and talk about peace and sing Kumbaya, but that's not peace. You'll never find peace there. You can uh, sing We Are the World and have world peace, but the the world is full of, of peace monuments erected to commemorate battles that have been fought in the past. Every time another one's fought, we put up another monument. The world is full of documents about peace and, and peace charters and, 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 and peace accords that have been signed and broken, some of them, before the ink was even dry. Politicians promise peace. They can't deliver peace. There is no peace outside of Jesus Christ. You're not going to ever find peace in money. You might be trying, but uh, it's a mirage. 
You won't ever find peace in, well, if I just could get that girlfriend, or if I could just get that boyfriend, I'd have some peace. No, peace isn't there. Peace isn't in your job. Peace isn't in your education. Peace isn't in your degree. Peace is not in your friends. The only peace is peace with God. And the hostility stops, and we find peace when we find God. The Bible tells us when we find Christ, we find peace. There's a famous verse written 700 years before the birth of Christ in Isaiah 9-6. And it says, Prophetically, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You will never know peace until you know the Prince of Peace. And you can try all you want to manufacture peace, and this world is trying to do that. It'll never happen until you find Christ, because Christ is our peace. Notice in verse number 14 it again. It says, For He is our peace. It says, Who hath made both one. See, there's this wall not only between the Jews and the Gentiles that needed to come down, but there was this wall between us and God that needed to come down. And He had made both one. Notice the rest and hath broken down the middle wall, a partition between us. Back in June of 1961, as the Cold War was raging, there was a wall erected almost immediately overnight between East and West Berlin. Some of you would remember that. And for years, thousands tried to cross over that wall and were rejected. Hundreds died trying to get from the east to the west under, under uh, communist reign basically at that time until up in, uh, I think it was 1987, and it was, uh, I think, June of, of 1987 when Ronald Reagan stood beside that wall and he addressed what that wall symbolized. And then he addressed, at that time, the president of the uh, Soviet Union and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, he said, tear down this wall. Some of you remember that as well. And it was a, a short matter of time. And that wall came down. You know, Jesus Christ took down a wall for us. This, this dividing partition, He tore it down so that we could have access to God. Anybody could have access to God. Salvation is available to everybody. What a glorious thought. And nobody's turned away. Nobody will be turned down. You know, at, at this very moment as I speak, there are thousands of people uh, throughout this world that are floating around on boats or, or in no man's lands of, of various countries. They're, 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 they're countryless, if you will. Countryless people trying to escape poverty, trying to escape persecution. These people are, are some friendless. They are penniless. They are unskilled. Many of them are illiterate. And there are, there are people that nobody cares about, people that nobody wants. But let me just say this, Jew or Gentile, God wants you. That wall has been taken down. God wants you. Jesus said this during His earthly ministry. We find it in the Gospel of John chapter 10 and verse 16, where He says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, the Jewish fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Jesus Christ said it's coming. He knew He's going to the cross. He knew that dividing partition was going to be torn down. And he says this wonderful passage. There's other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Speaking of us Gentiles, he says, Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Calvary is what makes it all possible. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, salvation 
became available to all. You know it was a Jew who brought the gospel to Rome? We know that, the Apostle Paul. But do we know that it was a Roman who brought the gospel to France? Maybe you didn't know that. And it was a Frenchman who brought the gospel to the Scandinavian countries. And from there, the Scandinavians took it to the UK. It was a Scotsman who actually brought the gospel to Ireland. And ironically enough, an Irishman who who brought it back and really evangelized Scotland. The bottom line is the gospel has many times come to us in the hands of aliens, if, if you will. That's our God. He'll do that. Now notice in verse number 14 it mentions that Jesus Christ is our peace. He hath made both one. He hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the opposition, even though law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain or two, two groups one new man so making peace. Notice the word abolish there. He was an abolitionist. He abolished the, uh, the, the whole separation thing between the Jews and the Gentiles. We have a, a unified family now. There's no discrimination. There's no prejudice. That won't happen without Christ. Jesus Christ has accomplished that. So we see our distant past, the the distant past, the dividing partition, and finally we see our diplomatic peacemaker, Jesus Christ. He's the one who made it all possible. He in himself uh, was was, was able to take twain and make one new man. Our diplomatic peacemaker is the only one who can bring peace. Do you know that since 1919, following World War I, there have been 200 treaties signed over in Europe and every single one of them broken. Do you know that from 1500 B.C.? So let's go back to about the time of Moses. Up until 1800 A.D., let's just call it the time of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, During that time of 1500 B.C., from Moses to Lincoln, there were 8,000 peace treaties signed and all of them broken. All of them broken. By the way, in recorded history, there's only been a few years where there wasn't war taking place someplace in the world. About 8% of the time, uh, there's been peace. The other 92%, there's been war. So much for we are the world, all right? So much for uh, give peace a chance. It's not going to happen without Jesus Christ. Now, notice this, this diplomatic peacemaker. He's mentioned again in verse 16. It says, and that he, that is Christ, might reconcile both unto God... In one body, that's his own body, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you that were far off, that's the Gentiles, and to them that were nigh. Notice the word both in verse number 16. It says, and that he might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God. Anyone can be reconciled now to God. Galatians 6.15 says, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Have you become that new creature? Jew or Gentile, have you been saved? If you have, that's why we're grateful, by the way. Jesus Christ made it all available. God hasn't reconciled, uh, hasn't been reconciled to man by man. That's what religion, that's what man-made religion tries to do. Through work, through baptism, through confirmation, through all these things, we try and reconcile our, ourselves unto God. No, God took the initiative. God did all the reconciling. God hasn't been reconciled to man by man. Man has been reconciled to God by God. There's a huge difference there. 
Bible tells us in Romans 5 and verse 10, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. That word reconciliation, by the way, is a great, great word. It really speaks of satisfaction, a payment being made. The price was paid. Jesus Christ reconciled us. He paid our sin debt. He satisfied it. It goes in with the doctrine of propitiation, which is a big word and a, and a big doctrine. But the bottom line is, now both parties are brought back together and brought to God. He hath made peace for us. There was a book written years ago by Don Richardson called Peace Child. And I don't know how many of have read that book. Uh, Don Richardson and his family were missionaries for many years to the tribe, uh, the, the Sawi tribe. And the Sawi tribe was very suspicious of anyone who tried to befriend them, anyone who did a kind act to them. And Don Richardson and his family were in the worst way trying to explain the gospel to them, that God the Father sent his son as a favor to shed blood and die for our sins. And they just weren't getting it until Richardson stumbled on a practice that the Sawi tribe had with other neighboring tribes. If, if, if the Sawis received some kind of a gift, they were suspicious of it, except one thing they knew was genuine. If the father of another tribe gave his only son to the father of another tribe, that was genuine. And, and of course, Richardson saw the picture here, and he explained the gospel through that, and the Sawi people came to Jesus Christ. Well, God has a beloved son, only one beloved son, and he gave that son for us. And verse number 16 says that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Both. Both, Jew and Gentile. That word enmity there, it, it speaks of hostility. It, it speaks of hatred. It speaks of opposition. And the Bible tells us that we were at enmity with God, but when Christ died on the cross, He, he slew that enmity thereby. We are no longer Gentile dogs. Thank God for that. We have gone from hostility to friendship. We have gone from enemies to friends. And finally, in verse number 17, it says that Christ came and preached peace to you that were far off and to them that were nigh. Remember this. Paul's talking to Gentiles, Ephesians. Gentiles, and he says, Christ came and preached peace unto you that were afar off, as well as them that were nigh. Jew and Gentile both. We read in Acts 26, 23, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. The people there being God's people, the chosen people, the Jewish people. That Christ should rise from the dead and show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. No wonder Jesus Christ is what we call the great reconciler. I didn't know any of this until I trusted Him as my Lord and Savior. March 5th, 1981. I was religious for years, went to church, had been baptized, to communion, did a lot of stuff, but was not saved. Until somebody took and explained the gospel to me, what I've been explaining to you today, that we have this reconciler. Is he your reconciler? That is the question. Do you believe what you've heard? Have you made it your own? So many people have a head knowledge of all this, but they've never made it their own. This is the very heart of the gospel. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. That's the reason we exalt him. That's the reason we are grateful to him. That's the reason we ought to practice the expression, thank you, every single day. When we talk to God, we ought to thank him. 
Maybe you felt unworthy. Maybe you feel unworthy. Maybe you feel like I could never be saved. But by a simple act of faith, and what I've been talking about today, you can be saved. Jesus Christ paid it all. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins. It's an insult to God for you to try and earn your salvation after that. Think about it. If you sent your only son in the world to be cruelly treated and beaten and spit on and crucified and and paid the price for sin, and then people come along and reject that and say, I'll work my way to heaven, thank you. No, you simply need to accept the gift and don't face eternity without that gift. Have you had a time in your life when you were reconciled to God? And by the way, if you have, if you have been born again, thank God for that. Think of this. You were like one of those ten lepers that was healed by Jesus Christ. Have you been that one who's come back repeatedly and said, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Are we grateful for what God has done to that? Are we grateful for our great reconciler? You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.